<laughs> awesome. The Facebook gods loved us after all. <laughs> um, so, Tineel, thank you for jumping on Healing Networks and Uncommon Dialogue. Um, it's wonderful and beautiful to meet you. We had a beautiful introduction from a mutual friend, Ian, over in the States. Yes. Yeah, and he told me a little bit about you, but I'd love to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. <laughs> You're doing some wonderful work um, from what I can see and what I know. Um, so can you talk to us about the Emotional Literacy and Mindfulness Academy? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so the Emotional Literacy and Mindfulness Academy for kids, albeit a big mouthful of words put together, <laughs> um, was essential in, in, the, in the making of it because... Um, we really needed to let people know what the core aspects of what we were teaching and it was really important. Um, but really what we do is we, you know, the journey to the journey to becoming what it has been, become and it's been very guided. I never thought uh, if someone said to me two or maybe three years ago that I'd be working with kids, I would have laughed <laughs> because I was uh, um, running, you know, multi-million dollar businesses and uh, doing a whole heap of different things and uh, very business focused. Um, whilst this is still, a, you know, an amazing business, there is a strong business model behind it. It was a really big, you know, one of those, I call them the the, the cosmic four by twos in the head, <laughs> you know, just when you think you've got, you've got life, you know, by the hand and you're like, oh, I've got this thing down pat now. I know what this life thing is all about. Um, and then it suddenly goes, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you're going this way. And I'm like, really? I'm going that way? And they said, yes. And I'm like, okay. So I started going that way. And um, what ended up happening was it was it, the the essential thing, or the, if we were to say what the end product of the Emotional Literacy and Mindfulness Academy is, um, it's really the, the overall goal is around um, creating uh, a, or eliminating the, the cognitive bias towards violence um, within two generations. So utilising the skills of mindfulness, meditation to effectively, you know, bring peace to the planet because what ended up happening was there's two folds to, uh, I suppose, the work that I do and, um, and why I do it. And really what we're doing is we're giving kids really advanced skills on emotional intelligence in order to prepare them for what happens later in life. Um, and neuroscience is really showing this, the importance of early intervention with effectively saying that the ABCs are not enough <laughs> and we need to be looking at how can we actually start giving them emotional intelligence and also giving them the, the ability to unplug from a very hardwired, fast-paced, um, intense world. And really my why it came from that was um, because... I realized that you know there's so there's so much there's so much going on in the world and I was working a lot with adults in the work I was doing prior to that I was just, I was doing um, sound therapy and and using that's where I <laughs> met our mutual friend um, Ian <clears throat> and I've co collaborated with him quite a bit in, in some really beautiful um, guided meditations using frequency and that sort of all dovetailed into how the kids academy um, and the work we do with sound therapy with kids um, came into play. But, yeah, it's a really, you know, it's a really special project and um, we're seeing some amazing results. We've got, you know, I had a nine-year-old say um, I felt like I was floating in another dimension <laughs> and I just thought nine years old and you know the word dimension. <laughs> it was just amazing and just and some amazing things and what, what effectively we're doing is teaching them advanced emotional literacy skills so they're able to be armed for life 
um, armed for what life will bring them. Now, mindfulness and meditation is not the kind of thing that, you know, is going to avoid bad things. What it's going to do is it is teach them how to get through them as quickly, effectively and calmly as possible with a really level head and not coming from emotional charge. And we do this by way of the energy ball, it's called, and it's these two little chickens in a chicken school and they've got this little energy ball and uh, and effectively what they do is they realize that when someone's feeling bad they might throw their energy ball at another person and what happens is that we catch that ball and in order for us to when we catch it it makes us feel what that person's feeling so we're teaching them really technical skills of really you know identification through energy through intuition and through feeling that electromagnetic field that radiates from the heart um, between people because they're so wide open to that and we, we focus on you know five to nine is the age group so it's a really beautiful project and I call it a project but it's my life project <laughs> you know it's something I'm going to be doing till I'm old and gray and it was one of those moments that came about because I asked myself looking at the world and I'm, I'm a highly um, intuitive empath and I could see and I would uh, you know I could see what was happening I could see where we were going and and what was going on and I just you can't help but feel overwhelmed when you look at what's happening in the world and you think what could I possibly do and you realize that you know we are that drop in the ocean we are that impact if we just focus on one thing and I thought right what's the one thing that I will get to the end of my life and be proud when I look back to say yeah I did good I was proud of that contribution and I knew that I could make a bigger impact with children than what I could with adults. Um, adults still very much, we, I work with mothers a lot um, because it links to the children. Um, but that's my specific one little thing. You know, it's like, what can I focus on whilst everyone else has got their own skills and their own gifts that they give to the world? What is the one thing that I can do? And that was working with children um, five to nine because I know that the long-term generational impact is going to be far powerful and far greater than anything I can imagine. So That's really beautiful. Um, the switch you know, to go from what you were doing before. What were you doing before prior to this? Yeah, I was, um, so I've been building companies for the last 15 years. I had my first entrepreneurial seizure at the age of 30, 23, sorry. And um, uh, when anyone's been an entrepreneur, they, you realise you're never the same since. And uh, I was very much um, focused on building companies. At the age of eight, I already had my first business, so pretend you know kind of business I had I said you know I said to my mum have I always had this entrepreneurial business you know sort of uh, you know gene if you like um and she said to me yeah by the age of eight Tanil you you um both me and my sister used to uh cook and clean when mum and dad were working full-time and I, I was at that age already negotiating with my sister that if uh, she could do the cleaning uh, the cooking and I'll do all the cleaning and two weeks pass, my mum says, Tanil, I've noticed you're not doing all the, all the cooking. What's going on? And I said, and apparently, I don't remember this, but apparently I said, I put my hands on my hips and I said, I'm not going to be at home. I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a businesswoman. <laughs> and so I had it, my own little business. I had, I was cleaning um, cars and, and um, taking dogs for walks and I had little business cards and I had a little employee who I would give 50 cents and then he would do some and I would do some and so you know it came from a very young age but um but but yeah at 23 I started building my own businesses and um, one of them was um, a global charitable organization uh, was one of my core projects that I worked on over the last decade and that reached five different countries and 50,000 different children on the topic of um, 
women and children affected by domestic violence and so working with them to bring about um, awareness to the topic and how to how, what, what to how to be a voice for the voiceless um, and that was a beautiful project over over a 10 year period and so be, then after that what happened was you know life throws us I call them the cosmic breadcrumbs <laughs> you know and they and they throw them in front of us and and we have the choice on if we're going to take them or if we're not and you know at one point in my life, I'd done the global charitable organisation. I tripled the bank balance for my charity, completely forgot to do my own. And then one day I'm sitting in this cafe and I'm having a cup of tea and I'm looking at this tea and it dawns on me, I don't think I can afford this cup of tea. I was broke. <laughs> and I realised I did all this work for my charitable organisation and completely forgot to look after myself. One of the many, I suppose, the many pitfalls if you like of being a very heart-based person is that you you tend to forget about the head logic and how do you marry the two now you can call it masculine feminine you can call it whatever you want but it's those two parts of self that really when we start to find the ability to balance that then we have have found um, our flow if you like so I'd gone too much into the heart no head logic <laughs> sitting in this cafe just about to um, burst into tears <laughs> in the middle of this cafe and I'm and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh, my God, what have I done? Um, and what I ended up doing was pushing through the emotion because I had enough tools in my toolbox to know how to deal with it. And I thought, okay, Tanil, find the light. There was this little voice saying, just find the light, just find the light. And I said, okay, what have I done in my business that I can turn into, um, into in my charity that I can turn into a business? Social media. I was posting on Facebook. And, and in Australia at the time, it wasn't very big it wasn't a saturated market at the time and so I realized that well, I identified the need in the marketplace I identified what I needed to achieve and what was needed and I thought right I think I could actually solve that issue that companies are having and it was a very corporatized model and so what I ended up doing was um, uh, turning it into a, a social media agency and um, we were servicing most of the biggest brands around Australia uh, and um, you know, managing their social media and providing them with a resource until you know we got to a point where it's obviously saturated and people are taking it in house. But at that time, it was you know it was a really interesting model. It grew so fast. In under two years, it was a two and a half million dollar company. And I had this moment where I walked in and I was so burnt out. I was working 16, 18 hour days, um, around the clock, nonstop, seven days a week. And the body just doesn't, it we just, we, it's not sustainable. We like to think it is when we're doing what we're doing, but it really isn't. So I, I, I got gifted the, the gift of understanding what balance really is and what it means. And so in this token, what ended up happening is the pendulum swings both ways. You know, you go to one extreme to the other to find the rest place in the middle. And at that point, I'd then gone from all heart to all head logic. So I was driving for profit, driving for a business and building this multi-million dollar business um, at the cost of my health and the cost of my sanity. <laughs> and one day, uh, one of that, we were employing people so quickly, someone walked in the office and I looked at them and I said, can I help you? And they said, yeah, I work here. And I just went, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. And my heart just sank and I just realised this is not me <laughs> this is not the person I thought I would be um, 
And then what ended up happening was a massive awakening as it happens and the, the cosmic four by two across the head whacked me <laughs> in a big way. And I realized that at that time uh, I, I was facing cutting 80% of my business um, due to a major contract and a big corporate bully situation that was going on. And then I um, uh, was also facing my father who got diagnosed with leukemia and my eight-year relationship came to an end <laughs> and I was pretty much at the point and I had a, a suicidal general manager <laughs> to deal with. So it was just everything was just chaos and it was really reflective of where I was. You know, it really is true that, that it gives us a mirror. I was in chaos. I was living, I was in survival mode and that played out in the characters that were the people that were in front of me. And so at the time, I obviously didn't realise that. And what ended up happening was I took myself away for eight days in solitude and re-evaluated what success meant to me. And it had nothing to do with a multi-million dollar business. It had nothing to do with living in a nice suburb or having a nice car or having a big... You know, so this was very, you know, what some would say almost like a basic level awareness of the superficial. But a lot of it came about because um, it, was, it wasn't necessarily on the superficial level. It was a very, there was a lot of deep transitions happening at that time for me. And I was, I was dying my spiritual death, facing, you know, the, the shadows within myself and, and going through the dark night of the soul process. And so off I went and uh, went on the journey of, you know, reacquainting myself with the person that I originally was. Um, and that, that journey took me to... Uh, starting digital consciousness because I realized that um, you know, well writing the book digital consciousness which is basically a philosophical dialogue of um, the effect of the the effect of the state of consciousness on humanity um, in the digital realm what we're doing in this digital space and what the impact is on the human family um, at a consciousness level so that sort of developed and I kind of dovetailed you know so Often the very things that are challenging us are the very things that give us the opportunity and the gift. And the gift from that was writing a book, um, Digital Consciousness. So <laughs> that's, that's what I was doing before. <laughs> and, um, you know, and in amongst all that, yeah, I've got some amazing recognition from Prime Minister, inducted um, to the Hall of Fame, the Governor, all these amazing awards. And I kind of thought, wow, I, didn't even, I wasn't even present because I was so out of it with just working so hard. I don't even remember those moments and those are some really, you know, moments that I think, um, you know, would have meant something but I don't really remember them because I was so, <laughs> I was so not there, I was so busy, so out of touch and, um, but I had to go through that to realise and so, yeah, so in society's version, there was, uh, you know, success um, but there was no, there was no such feeling within, you know, within the, I suppose, the, the depth of my own heart and my own soul. Um, I felt empty, so and life threw me, um, you know, a wonderful set of challenges to grow me <laughs> and realise that life was happening, you know, it wasn't happening to me, it was happening for me. That's a beautiful saying because it's so true. So true. <laughs> Interesting, and I think it's um, wonderful that you can actually speak so fluently about the fact that you know, in society, society would have deemed that as success but because you weren't present, you weren't able to feel, you know, the fulfilment from, from those moments or even remember them. And, and it's, it's interesting what um, society does deem as success or successful. Yeah, exactly. And this is the thing, you know, success is, is driven from, 
competing with each other from, and I think it's inherent. You see it in children at a very young age wanting to win things, you know, and I'm seeing that even with the kids we work with. It's so deeply ingrained and it's way beyond, gosh, it's way beyond anything that we can, we can only begin the process of undoing that. Um, and it's going to take a while because it's so deeply ingrained at a generational lineage point of view energetically. You know, they take on everything. The kids take on everything from all the both generational lineages and play out the sins of the mother, the sins of the father, and all that plays out. And, um, you know, it's, it's so deeply ingrained and almost gets you questioning, well, is it, is it deeply ingrained in something that we've planted into society or is it actually an animalistic um, basic reptilian brain urge to want to win, to want to survive. And what's the difference between, I mean, you layer upon that, um, you know, the, um, the, the superficial stuff that goes with it with culture and society. But what I'm really talking about at that level is, you know, it got me questioning, well, okay, well, there is some element of at, our, at the reptilian part of our brain to want to survive. And then how that, where in the point of, of you know, generational or evolution at what point did it tip over to survival equals competing dog eat dog to the point where it's for winning what we get to win a big salary so we can pay off our bills awesome <laughs> you know, what a life <laughs> you know so it's just yeah we work to pay our bills off and it's just there's got to be more to life than that and and i think that's where it starts with you know the importance of going within of understanding and I think and I think even in that term of going within we've got to be careful because we get taught in the you know spiritual talk that you go within you go within well yeah but we've also the, the ingredient that I think is missing in there is that we also have to have spatial awareness of our environment because what can happen is that human nature and we tend to screw things up really well as humans because we're very dense uh, in frequency um, is that we you know we um, we, we almost sort of take that and then we can turn it into something that needs to be achieved or something that we need to um, compete in, you know. The cycle repeats itself. Constantly. And it's just when we go within, we need to be able to go within but also be out in the, you know, the awareness outside of ourselves to watch ourselves go within and also be mindful of everything that's going on in our environment because there's this, you know, typical thing where people go, oh, no, that's your shit, that's not mine. You know, that's your stuff to work out. And it's, well, no, they're a character that's created in reflecting the very parts of you that you're suppressing. So then they can play it out for you to help you get closer to the evolution of your soul or, or the purity of your soul. So you've called them in in some way, shape or form to bring you another state of um, conscious awareness or on that conscious ladder, <laughs> evolutionary ladder, um, for us to be able to come to the very thing that we came in as, which was love and unconditional love. And we take this backward journey <laughs> through life <laughs> where we layer it upon with all the societal conditioning to only try and get to an age where we start to go, oh, my gosh, no, hang on, and then we peel it all back away <laughs> to come back to what it was we were. <laughs> it's one of those, it's beautiful that you're actually saying all of this. Um, you know, it's definitely where do you draw the line between nature and nurture, you know, as to what you were kind of saying before about it being, you know, is it a part of our primal instinct or, you know, is this something that we develop over time genera generationally or, or is it something yeah. that we adopt in terms yeah. of behaviour? 
Um, and as, as well with what you're saying, you know, it, it, we tend to, we like to swing things to full degree as humans, mm -hmm. don't we? You know, if we're not going within, we're going without, and <laughs> you know, we're too, you know, some of us are too in our heads, not enough in the heart, we're, then we become aware of that and then we go, oh, I need to go more in the heart and then we become too heart heavy and less logic. And yeah. it's, I suppose, you know, the, the crazy human experience of finding balance between everything. Cause if, if that even exists. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's like there's, there's balance, but then when we're human and everything in, in the human experience is duality and polarity and chaos. And so I think it's almost like how, it's, it's, it's how do we, we talk about it in the academy, it's how do we find a way to be in a place of do? How do we be in a world of doing? Because that's the trick. That's what I found over my lifetime is that's the trick is it, I don't believe that balance can exist. It's more about balancing the ups and downs so then you can be in that, con you know, when you look at the Buddhism practices, they're, they're all about, you know, you don't get too excited and too happy or else you go, you go up and then what comes up must come down. So they try and find a nice middle road that you sort of, you know, you're happy and then you feel sad. And you, you, but it's all done in a, in a way where it's just in this nice plateau of just calmness. And it's finding that in the ability because, and, and not also not censoring ourselves from feeling what we're feeling, but it's almost this new mindfulness practice around where how do we find that space in the middle so then we can sit ever so calmly in that storm and know that it's going to pass and know that we will still feel what we're going to feel, but we have the ability to let it feel and not, not identify with it, not become that character in that, that, that's going through us in that moment in time. And when we can master the art of that, well, then we can actually start to begin the journey of, you know, being able to be with life in a world of doing because that's what we are. We're, we're, we, we, we're always creatures of doing, of action, of, of, of creating, of whatever it might be, creation, any of those kinds of things. It's like, well, how can we be in that process? And it starts with the little things of, well, you know, when, when challenges arrive at my doorstep, I open the door very willingly and say, all right, what have we got today? And it's just, okay, so what's the assignment? And I look at it like an assignment and I go, what am I going to, how am I going to, how am I going to better my, or tweak my ability to deal with these kinds of challenges and these situations? They're still uncomfortable as all hell, <laughs> you know, and they're not fun <laughs> and I'll feel what I need to feel. But my, my subconscious three second window of reaction time has been programmed now to the point where it's, okay, here we go, let's do this. You know, and it's let's have a look at this and see what, what what's what's the assignment today, um, and then offering that tool of self reflection at the end. And I think those are the kinds of tools and and that we teach as well at a very simple level, um, and a fun way with kids. You know, because I think it's just such important stuff we just don't get taught in schools because you know schools are based on the industrial revolution. So, you know, we were taught to be mechanistic, um, not not creative. <laughs> yeah, I really love everything that you're saying. love uh, the work that you're doing. Um, why domestic violence specifically? Is that something that um, has been a part of your life or world or is that something that's close to your heart or is it just something that the universe just kind of... Yeah, no, my, it was my sole contract. Um, I grew up in domestic violence and um, 
and you know it was very very prevalent in my life as a child and um, as an adult as well and so I was able to not necessarily happening directly to me but in some way shape or form it was always indirectly in my life which in itself was okay well what am I clearing here and I knew that every choice and every woman I ever spoke to or to give advice um, any anybody that came to seek counsel or just ask me a question my thing to them was you're not making this decision on based on you it's not necessarily about you you're making your choice on whether you stay or go based on the collective feminine every choice you make is a much bigger picture than just you and it, and it happens in the quantum field and the more we can do that we create our own morphogenic resonance or our own morphogenic bubbles of newness you know, so we create a new, once we make a new choice to change the direction of where we go, um, that is, a, you know, that is effectively making its own new morphogenic resonance, which will then eventually impact the collective consciousness, which will then completely change the face of what women do and how they are and how they be in the world and what we choose to, you know, we, when we look at the, the, the whole length of society, you know, we've had of, of evolution, it was um, matriarchal first. Um, you know they're showing through ancient studies and matriarchal first and, and women were revered then it became patriarchal and now it's sort of you know how do we start to find that um, uh, balance if you like and so for me part of my work and my gift that came about was as a child I always wondered why why do people go back why you know why don't I know what to do because that was my job <laughs> you know I felt like you know I took that on myself it wasn't put on me but I felt a sense of responsibility that it was my job as a 10 year old kid to know where to go and what to do and to how and who to save and um, you know that played a massive role in my life and so for me instead of choosing to replicate that um, I chose to create a solution for that and um, yeah, and it moved a lot of people. We did a lot of camps for kids. We did a lot of camps for women, um, you know, like the scholarship programs for women and that were life-changing for them. Um, and really we delved deep into, you know, the neuroplasticity of the brain. We went into, uh, you know, behavioural changes and the core sub subconscious level. How do we do that? Because by the age of 35, it's all, it's all locked and loaded. <laughs> and the only way with all our behaviours are locked and loaded based on what our blue imprint was or what our blueprint was in life. And it, it, the only way for us to begin to shift that is by one of two ways. It's by emotional impact is when we shift old subconscious patterning or by repetition. And so we had to take them through this journey of changing their behaviours and, and looking at... And they've got to want to change as well. You know, there's, those, there's people that... that um, aren't quite ready to go there yet and it can be quite confronting um but yeah it was a very it was a very deep um drive to turn and what ended up being beautiful with it <laughs> is that it would became it's it, it became what i built it was called the global good foundation and what i was able to build became the very thing that healed me and my family because my mum and my dad took part in my flash mobs they came and learned the dance steps um, they came and helped with fundraising they came and helped with this and and subsequently that healed something in our family dynamic in some way shape or form by me creating what I had created um, and it's you know it's a beautiful thing we create the thing is we do we teach and we create the things that we need to learn the most 
we don't do what we do and get up in the morning because it, it because we want to be of absolute service to the world we also want to serve our own soul's evolution so we do things because at one even if it's one percent there's one little point there that we give and do what we do because it's also something that is destined for our own soul's evolution there's something in it that's feeding our soul and our our evolution of self and so that's what it did for me it's amazing <laughs> i'm glad that with your drive and and your you know, taking action on, on the things that you knew that you wanted to do and, and did do that um, I'm very grateful that you got the healing and your family got the healing that it needed mm. through such a beautiful initiative. Tanil, with with your projects and what you're working on um, as we speak, where would you like to see it in five years? Yeah, five years' time, um, the goal is that we'll have more than 5,000 instructors. So I've got an instructor program within the academy because I know that I just can't do it on my own. It's not something that, and well, I can, but I'm not going to get the traction that I know that I'm guided to. That, that What I've been shown is that I've got to prepare for it to be as accessible to everyone as possible so we can saturate the kids between five and nine years old with this learning with these teachings and they're very unique programs in the sense that they've been hand you know they've been guided through and developed by me and they've also got the infusion throughout all the classes with the sound frequencies from Ian and also built beautiful guided meditations for kids because my past life in this life I always have to say that in this life not past past life <laughs> was I was a musician so you know I've also had I've recorded these beautiful guided meditations with song for kids and um with the 174 hertz within there. So there's all these different layers of things that have been created um, that's so unique. And I know that I need to take that to as many people as possible to, because it's not about me. It's big, like, the circumstance is bigger than me. And so I'm just totally going, okay, where are we going today? And it's like, okay, we're going here. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I get, I get, I'm, I'm very blessed to be guided um, through this entire process and supported because it's, um, as I've been told, it's really important work and it needs to be done. Um, and I seem to have the tenacity to be able to do that. <laughs> so I was, I've, I've chosen myself unknowingly for the project <laughs> before I entered. Um, but in five years' time, yeah, the instructor program um, is already launched, and that's basically getting people who want to be qualified instructors within the Kids Academy so then they can run their own little community of the programs and they get all the information, all the cartoons, all the workbooks, all the toys, um, and they basically go on and teach that to the five to nine bracket. Um, in their local community. And so the five-year goal is to have 5,000 of instructors doing that by five years um, and having, uh, a, you know, a number of um, schools, I think about 2,500 or 2,000 schools in, in implementing the program. Um, and the far-stretch goal <laughs> of um, no, the first goal is, you know, about 5,000 um, kids graduated from the academy so far up to about... 120 <laughs> um so yeah we're still going and you know it's literally the new website was just launched this uh, last week so <laughs> so yeah it's been going for the last two years just gone the quiet and um and we've just gone public really with it um in the last yeah this year basically so yeah so that's the five-year goal is to really start to get as many instructors out there as possible um, but again learning from past lessons it's not a fast growth company that I, I don't want it to be the same as what it was that I built last time 
this is really going to be diligent and slow because not everybody is going to become a qualified instructor. There's a very rigorous pro process for them to go through because um, I care way too much about the responsibility that we bear um, to teach these kids. So there's got to be a lot of cross checks and a lot of um, there's an interview process and you know there's a whole process around it because we just really want to make sure we get the right fit um, for the people that are going to represent the academy in their country. So, yeah, so that's where we're at. <laughs> what do you think, um, when you said that you didn't want this to be a fast process, because obviously, you know, you come, you've been there on that other, your past life in this, <laughs> um, where you had that, um, you know, ridiculous growth spurt and, and where it took, took over your life. What, what will you do differently this time? Slow and steady, slow and steady. Um, I'm not after fast growth. I'm not coming from fear and I'm not coming from scarcity or desperation to build a big business. It's not about that. I'm happy to build because it's going to be with me for the rest of my life. I'm happy to build this as slow as it needs to be built and be as diligent as I need to be because I'm not chasing the dollars. I'm not chasing the financial. Yes, that's a big part of any business running sustainably but that is not going to be the driving motivation, which is what that was last time. So I learnt my lesson big time on that one and that this is really slow and diligent um, and, you know, and I've taken a massive leap. I've, I've, I've sold my business. I've cut, cut everything off and, and to dedicate myself to this work and, um, you know, and so I do that and then I also do sound therapy for mums as well, so working with them and, um, yeah, I mean... Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what, what will come from that? But it'll be really about the, the guidance I get and the message that I always get is patience because I'm, you know, I'm a bull at a gate. I'm a Torian woman <laughs> and I've learnt how to hold back and the power of pause um, through experience. And, um, you know, so it's not a restrained feeling of holding back. It's just a trusting. I've just trusted and I just know that um, as long as I continue to come from the right place with what I'm doing, uh, um, I'll be supported and looked after and I just trust wholeheartedly in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm. and that's beautiful and it's good that it's, it's, it's beautiful that you're aware of that. And, of course, mm. you know, look at the work that you're doing. Um, just knowing that you're safe, you're supported and that you trust the process and know that it's going to go to where it needs to exactly with the right people you know and you'll definitely cross the right people at the right time and things as such so yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing um how this goes it's obviously going to it already is making an impact and it will yeah. so much more um Tenille, just for those that might be interested in um reaching out to you wanting to be um, a part of your team could you share maybe some of maybe some of the values or what it is that you're looking for with people. Mm. If anyone was to watch this and thought, mm, I think I'm not only am I attracted to, to the mission and the business model and I want to make a difference, but I also might be a cultural fit. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely the key word is integrity and moral fiber. Um, integrity, um, honesty, and um, trust are really core parts, um, very, very big values. <laughs> um, and compassion, you know, the, the ability to have compassion and understanding the bigger picture. Um, if they can see what we're doing at a bigger picture and that it's not about them, it's not about us. None of this work is about us at all. Um, when we can step away from that 
and realize that we are just here to be you know i say it without without it sounding and sounding downtrodden but you know we are here to be of service um and it's through service that we find our purpose that we find our growth that we find why what what makes the world such an amazing place to be in and why this why we chose this experience in the first place even though sometimes we go why have i chosen this why of all planets this one really you know i've had that conversation a few times to myself and uh yeah but you know it's really about realizing that yeah it is much bigger than us and um and the kind of care, the duty of care and understanding how incredibly important it is, these next caretakers of this planet that we have to, to give to them. You know, we have to hand that down as the ancient woman would have handed down through, you know, through the, around the campfire, um, the antiquity of, of women, you know, and the great, the great bearer of knowledge. Um, it's the same thing in which we need to do this time, but in a modern in a modern way um so yeah those would be some some key things that really matter i suppose at a personal level to me um and yeah i think that's that's going to be the driving force to make this uh make this thing tick and get in front of as many children as you know as it within time <laughs> within the perfect time um that that we can beautiful awesome and Tanil, if anyone wants to know about you your business your brand um, how can they reach you or your team? Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, if they um, if they hop on to uh, well, our website's Emotional Literacy Academy um, dot com, and on Facebook Emotional Literacy Academy, and um, same on Instagram and Twitter's Alma Kids um, E L M A Kids, um, and then just the personal business stuff uh, is just my name, so Tennielbentley dot com. <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much, Chanel. Thank you. <laughs> to listen to you talk about your where you've been and where you are. And um, I'll be watching you like a fork. <laughs> watching it grow beautifully into something, mm. which it already is. But, you know, to see that expansion, which is definitely going to happen, it can't not. Yeah, well, you just look at the kids. Um, I just posted today about the kids in uh, in Thailand in the Thailand caves being te being taught meditation. Um, that is just a gold little nugget for the whole world to go. Hang on, maybe we should really consider this for kids because these kids are just incredible. Their ability to main, remain calm in where the situation they're in um, it really showcases the importance of kids having those tools. Not to say everyone's going to get stuck in a cave, but you know, it's it's really important that our kids under you know learn these tools so then they can cope with what life's going to throw at them as they go through their journey. I love I love it. I love you and your <laughs> I love you too. Thank you. <laughs>